0: All right, um, it's good to see you this evening. Um, uh, you may recall, or you may not, uh, several months ago I spoke and I talked about peace. And, uh, and from Isaiah uh, chapter 26, verse three and four, I'll just read it real quick. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. That was where we started, and I had, a, I had made the uh, comment jokingly that I had 16 points and that I was only going to speak on eight of them last time, but I wasn't joking, um, and so tonight is the other eight, I think it is, um, but in case you're taking notes and you like to write down some references out, what we talked about last time, I'll just give you a brief reminder, we talked about peace, you know, you know, we want to have the peace, you know, peace with God in salvation, but we want to have the peace of God. And, and in Isaiah uh, 26, verses 1 through 4, we saw there was peace in salvation and our focus on salvation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 2, through 7, there was peace in being a vessel, and I might add being a vessel meet for the master's use. <coughs> Is that Dietrich's back there? All right, how you guys doing? I mean, I had my glasses down. I was like, I thought, okay, hello. In Acts chapter 16, verses 23 through 25, there's peace in praising God. In Acts 16, 36 and 40, peace in answered prayer. In Matthew 26, 6 through 10, there's peace in worship. In Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46, peace in submitting to God's will. Philippians 4 Eight and nine, peace and believing God. And if you wanted to look back and read those passages, um, it, hopefully that that would be an, an encouragement to you um, to to see those. And uh, but we will. Well, let's open in prayer, and and then we'll continue on with the rest of our points. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your people who've met here tonight uh, to, uh, to hear a little something from you, from your word, but also to sing praises to you and be reminded of you and reminded of the kind of God you are. And I pray that we would leave here tonight, Lord, uh, knowing you better and, uh, knowing more about you and what you do for us as your children, uh, and that we would, uh, that we would trust you more and, and praise you more and that you would increase and we would decrease. And that's what I pray tonight in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, so if you would, as we continue, if you would turn to, uh, Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, and um, Hebrews, as we, uh, you know, uh, are very familiar with, is referred to as the the hall of faith, the hall of faith, and uh, I have a little thing I say, I like to call it the hall of works, because in Hebrews, when you read about what they did, it says, through faith, by faith, they did something, their faith resulted in a work. And, um, and it was a work for God. And so I, I kind of sort of refer to it as the hall of works as well. Um, <clears throat> but um, one of the things I wanted to look at, well, I want to make a comment. Sometimes I have rough days. You ever have a rough day? Can I get a witness? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes uh, sometimes, um, sometimes, I have really hard days, really hard days that I come home and, and hard days, and not in, in necessarily in the sense of the physical, physically hard, but just hard mentally, hard emotionally, you know, difficulties, sometimes great difficulties. They're burdens. <clears throat> and then I read about some of the folks in the hall of faith. And we read about, if you want to uh, start in verse 35, we want to pick up near the end of this. It says, it says, women received their dead raised to life again. In Hebrews eleven thirty-five. You can back up. Well, we back up in 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. That's what we want to happen. We want that to happen. Uh, Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured. Wait a minute. What just happened here? Are these the bad believers? We were talking about the good guys and now we're talking about the bad guys? And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Why? That they might obtain a better resurrection. Wow, I want deliverance. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'll take deliverance. Um, I will take relief from the, the torment. I, I, you, know, that, you know, that's what I pray for. Don't you... Yeah, that's what I pray for. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection because their look was upward. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, tormented and then we have a parenthetical statement as a reminder of whom the world was not worthy sounds like they were good guys too they were good believers too they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth and these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise they didn't receive it yet <laughs> but I just made a in reading this passage I just made the note they, they, there was peace in an upward look, and I kind of had a little a little slash there, or an eternal look. They had a, they had a, they they looked up. Their their life and their existence was based on a service for God. And I know in my life <clears throat> that I can get you know sidetracked with work. I can get occupied with things to be done. I can get occupied with teaching the Sunday school lesson. I mean, I, th- there's things that we we get busy doing, and these folks were busy looking up. And they had peace. That's why they could be tortured and not accept deliverance. Because there's peace in an upward look. There's peace in an eternal look. Are you needing some peace this evening? And I say this. I say, look up. Look up. The old preacher, um, he put it this way in Philippians chapter 1. It says, um, "For me to live as Christ, and to die as gain." And and he put it this way, he said, "Paul, we're going to kill you." And Paul said, "That's okay to, li- to die as gain." Well, we're not going to kill you. We're going to let you live. Well, that's okay to live as Christ. And then in Romans, it's, I won't turn there. Romans chapter eight it says, for, "For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time." are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Paul, we're not going to let you live or die. We're going to make you suffer. Well, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time don't compare to the upward look that he had of heaven. The Apostle Paul saying that. There's peace in an upward look. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 21. Verse 21, if you want to go there. It says, my son. Hold on, I'm in the wrong place here. Hang on. 321. 321. Yes, I'm in the right place. Sorry. Um, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. What he's referring to is is, um, wisdom and understanding uh, up above. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down and thy sleep shall be sweet. That sounds nice. Thy sleep shall be sweet. Not tossing and turning, worrying about stuff. Wisdom and discretion. Wisdom. And I wrote, there's peace in walking in wisdom. I was listening to the radio one time years ago and there was a Jewish person talking and they made reference to uh, you know, this, uh, this particular Jewish book and they referred to it as the Jewish, it's the Jewish book of wisdom and I'm like, wow, think about all that wisdom. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I got one of those. <laughs> I've got one. And, um, and not only do I have a copy of God's word, there's even a book uh, within God's word that we call the book of wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, and I I wonder often if I don't get into some of the trouble I get into because I don't spend enough time in the book of Proverbs. Dr. Childs used to give a homework assignment in his classes. He would say uh, he would assign you to read five Psalms and one chapter of Proverbs every day for the rest of your life. That was his homework assignment, and um, and and I wonder if if I were to spend more time in Proverbs, that I might some of God's wisdom might rub off on me. Some of the wisdom of the ages. Think about a people, the Jews, thousands of years. And I've got that right here. In particular, in the book of Proverbs. And I think about Proverbs chapter 8. To me, and it's just me talking, to me, Proverbs chapter 8 is is like a description of Jesus. When you read Proverbs chapter 8, you are reading about Jesus. And the reason why I bring that up is because in in um, let me find my place. First Corinthians chapter one. Flip on over. I'm trying to make you flip too much tonight, but look over at First Corinthians, in, in First Corinthians chapter one. All right. oh, there we go. First Corinthians chapter one. In verse 22. It says, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, it says here, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. I have a book of wisdom, but I have a savior who is wisdom. And I'm reminded, I don't know if you know, probably if you're my age or older, you'll know who I am referring to when I say Jim Baker. Yeah. Um, and Jim Baker had gone to prison. Uh, some tax evasion kind of stuff with the, with the ministry he had. And uh, I remember reading something that he had said uh, <clears throat> after he got out of prison. He said when he went to prison, he was really low. And he decided when he read his Bible that he would just read what Jesus said. I know, I was like, wow, that, <laughs> that, that's, that sounds like a good idea, <laughs> you know? He's just just going to read the words of Jesus, I and mean, we want to focus on those. And, you know, making comment, making, he made some kind of comment to the effect that, you know, if I'd have done that before, if I'd have done that sooner, it would have changed the, the course of my life. Of course it would. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll stop talking about him there. But um, reading about our Savior, the life of the Savior, and what he, what he went through, the people that he dealt with, the compassion that he had, the seriousness that he had, his righteousness, all of these things, the wisdom of God. He's the walking, living, risen, on the throne example of wisdom. And he happens to be our Savior. And he happened to give us a copy of his word, wisdom. There is peace in walking in wisdom. Turn over a few to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. I don't have a whole lot to say about this, but I like this one anyway. Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 20. It says, My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. You know, I'll stop here and say, one of the things that you'll notice or certainly what I've noticed in reading these and studying this is in all of these places about, you know, about being a vessel, about, you know, you know worship and submission and believing God and, and wisdom and an upward look. They're all continuous. They're all all the time. They're all keep going. Keep doing it. Keep abiding. Keep on. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. You're going to bind them. They're they're going with you when you go. When thou sleepest, they're with you when you sleep. It shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, they're with you when you're awake. It shall talk with thee. What is that? I put it here. There's peace in following parental instruction. And you might, well, there's very few young people here. I'm not talking to young people. There's peace in following parental instruction instruction in particular godly parents even for me i'm 54 my dad just turned 82 hey dad i think he's watching um and and my dad taught me that i remember this when i was a kid i was uh, a little kid we lived in traveler's Rest. i was four years old and my dad had one of these little co2 cartridge pellet pistols you know the little, you know, you kind of shake it and you hear the little things rattling around, you know, and, and it had the little CO2 cartridge for pressure, pressurizing. And he let me hold it And before he's always like showing me, like you know, you gonna teach me how. This is the gun. This is how you. <clears throat> and we, it, you know, how houses can be back to back, and you looking, you looking out your backyard, and you see your neighbor's backyard, and it was kind of down the hill, and our neighbor was in the backyard, and I got it, and I took it, and I pointed it at the neighbor, and he goes, he goes, don't ever point a gun at at people. Now. We understand that that was instructions for a four-year-old. Um, <clears throat> but he told me that. I remember that. Four, that was 50 years ago. One little nothing thing. You would think my focus would have been on the gun. Oh, gun. Hey, me. And um, he just made that one statement. And I still remember. He said, don't ever point a gun at people. And I never did. Because he gave me instructions like be honest. Tell the truth. Treat people like you want to be treated. Don't cheat. Work hard, hustle. That was if I heard one word over my entire life growing up, it was the word hustle. Man, he'd say hustle. I mean, he'd run out of breath saying hustle. Hustle, hurry up, hustle. And um, maybe that's why I'm so, you know. But uh, (laughs) peace and parental instruction. And we understand parental instruction primarily based on God's word. I understand that there are people who didn't grow up in a Christian home. And their parental instruction was pretty terrible. I worked in the bus ministry. I've heard some pretty bad parental instruction. But we understand that we're talking about in the context of God's word. And, and it's something that I've, I've said and I've told this to, to teenagers when I've had the chance to teach teenagers over the years and I told it to my son. God doesn't want me to teach you something. Let's say it was Cooper. God doesn't want me to teach you. He wants me to teach you to teach your kid to teach his kid, to teach his kid. That's what he wants. Let's keep this thing going. That's First Timothy. Let's keep this thing going. You, let's just not, I teach you, I, I don't want to have wonderful son and horrible grandchildren. How many of those folks do you know? Great, wonderful, godly people and their kids are like, holy mackerel. Um, you know? Can you say that from the pulpit? Holy mackerel. Um. <laughs> He wants us to teach our kids to teach, kids, to teach their kids, to teach their kids, to teach their kids. That's what he wants. And it starts with good, godly parental instruction. And it behooves us to listen to it. There's peace in following parental instruction. Isaiah chapter 32. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 32. We start in verse 15. Isaiah 32, 15. This is in a time when the the children of Israel and their nation were barren. And this was prophesied of barrenness. And then it says in verse 15 until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. Then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. There's some of that continuation again. Righteousness remaining. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. Wow. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Peace and quiet. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places and I just made the note there's peace in walking in righteousness and I'm going to tell you this one really stood out to me because when I do something dumb and I get in trouble I mean I just hate being in trouble I do not I mean even a little bit I don't want to be in trouble at all I don't like how I feel I don't like being in trouble and uh, even when I may be in trouble wrongfully which happens to the believer often I don't like how it makes me feel I want peace and quiet. As a matter of fact, I want to read in First Timothy. I, I like this one in First Timothy. Let me get over there. You can turn if you like, or write it down. First Timothy, um, chapter two. You know what I'm going to say, probably. First um, Timothy two one says, "I exhort therefore, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. Why?" that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And that's just not a a helpful tip for the believer because it says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. It's good and acceptable in God's sight. And that's what God wants. God wants us to pray for our rulers, pray for those in authority. He wants us to intercede for all people so we can have peace and quiet. And that's pleasing to God. For there's peace in walking in righteousness. I wrote this down. This doesn't mean that if I walk in righteousness, I'll feel the peace of God all the time. That's not what it means. This is a truth. This is a truth from God. So when I'm not at peace, I need to remind myself of this. And when you're not in peace, you remind yourself that if you are a believer who is walking in righteousness, the result of that is peace. So you keep walking in righteousness. And if you're walking in righteousness and you don't feel very peaceful about a situation, remind yourself, I have the peace of God because I'm I'm walking in righteousness. I'm walking in God's righteousness. Remind yourself of that. If after you remind yourself of that, you still have no peace, you may need a righteousness check. You may need to check up on your righteousness. And I made my another note. I just thought about this driving down the road this afternoon, thinking about the message tonight. Don't ever be ashamed of being righteous. By the way, as a believer, don't ever be ashamed. Don't ever let the world, when you're out in the world, make you feel kind of... You know, because you're righteous. You're Joe Bible. You're goody two-shoes. Don't ever let the world feel that way. You remember when you were a kid? Remember the little monkeys? Remember the monkeys that there's, 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 I was about to say there's see no evil, but it's this. It's see no evil. And there's this that hear no evil. And this the word there's shoot no evil. Right? Remember that? And that's something they did for little kids. And, you know, the, I've seen that in And over my lifetime, I've seen that portrayed in popular culture with respect to adults as a sort of almost like a belittling thing. No, don't ever be ashamed of turning your eyes away from from wickedness and evil and, and closing your mouth from evil and shutting your ears to evil. Don't ever be ashamed of that. Be proud of that, proud in the right way, proud in a godly way. I'm standing up for my God and his righteousness. Best I know how. And there's peace in that. There's not, there's not nervousness. There's not awkwardness. There's not weird feelings. There's peace. There's peace in walking in righteousness. Second Kings chapter 6. Turn back to 2 Kings chapter 6. This passage was alluded to a service or two ago. We'll visit it again quickly. 2 Kings chapter 6. In verse 11, when I start reading, you'll know where we are if you don't already. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And I thought that's kind of a funny way of putting it. Now you thought, it's not, he's not just trying to, hey, 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 come here. <laughs> he's not just fetching him. He's gonna do him in. How do I know? And it was told him saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. He sent an army. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed the city both with horses And chariots and his servants said unto him, Alas, my master, no peace, alas, my master, how shall we do? In verse 16, and he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And as one preacher said one time a long time ago, that army wasn't going nowhere. There's peace in the power of God. You are a child of God and he is your shield and strength. That's who your God is. He is completely capable of protecting and delivering you and me. That's the kind of God he is. If he doesn't, he must have a different plan for you, which could include tribulation of some kind. And we'll look at that in the next point. But there is peace in the power of God. We have a mighty God. He's the only God. I'm going to, I could stand here for five minutes and try to think of everything in my limited vocabulary to describe how great and high and powerful and wonderful and mighty and holy and righteous and, and all everything that are, and all humility, by the way, that still blows my mind. Uh, all of, and and I, wouldn't even, I, I wouldn't even be telling it right uh, how great and mighty and powerful our God, my God, your God is. Just remind yourself of that. He's your God, he's my God, our God. He's great, he's mighty, he's powerful and there's peace in the power of God. And I almost want to say this and I say this prayerfully, I sure do. I almost want to say, what, 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 what's gonna win against us? What unrighteousness, what plan of Satan is gonna win against his people with a God like that? I was in a store the other day and I looked over my shoulder and I saw somebody, that what was it shirt? I'm trying to remember. It can't remember if it said the Satan Club or just somebody going down an aisle as I was walking by. I caught it and kind of, you know, um, or or Satan Double Club, something like that. Something where I was like, I got to look that up. That must be a drink. That must be an energy drink. I mean, it can't be. Nobody's like actually walking around with a Satan Club shirt on. And I looked it up and well, yeah, (laughs) Satan Club. And the thought went through my mind, that's funny. They worship Satan I read somewhere in my Bible that my God kicked him out of heaven. That's the kind of God I have. My God is more powerful than the devil and he's more powerful than anybody who worships the devil. He's more powerful than their God. That's our God. I'm going to quit rambling. There's peace in the power of God and we just need to keep reminding ourselves of just who our God is and how powerful he is. Romans chapter 5 mentioned that uh, maybe... Uh, God's plan may, may involve some, uh, some tribulation. Romans 5. Um, Romans 5 starts off good. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, man, let me just stop for a minute. We have peace with God. We are not his enemy any longer. We're not in enmity with him although sometimes we may behave as if we are. And then verse two gets even better. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We stand in the grace of God. We have access to it by our faith in him. We have God's grace. Praise the Lord for his grace. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God, God's glory. And then it says, and not only so, but we glory. Oh, there's something else we glory in. Here's where it goes downhill. But we glory in tribulation also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. We glory in tribulation. And I'm just gonna be honest with you. I don't think... I glory in tribulation. I don't think. Tribulation, affliction, hardship, persecution. We glory in tribulation. Why? Knowing we understand that tribulation worketh patience. It produces patience. Um, You might say fortitude. You might say that it hardens us to hardship. You know, hardens not in a bad way, not in a hard heart, but hardens in the sense it toughens us up. Tribulation, it produces something in our life. Listen to this. Tribulation produces patience. God, give me more patience. Patience. Have you ever prayed for patience? I have. And tribulation comes. Whoa, God, take your tribulation away. I pray for patience. Knowing that, pa- that, that tribulation worketh patience and patience, fortitude, toughness, worketh experience. And this experience is, it's not like, okay, I, you know, a few years ago I went to Israel and um, I've been to Canada. Um, I've been to Alaska a couple of times. You know, I'm just thinking about my experiences. It's not like that. It's like a resume. Here's my resume. Well, let's see, I worked here for this long and I did this, this, and this. And then I got a job in this, in this company and I did this, this, and this. It's like a resume. Tribulation is a resume enhancer for the believer. Tribulation produces patience fortitude. And what is that fortitude? And tribulation comes, and I've got, I've got, you know, patient endurance. And what does that give that gives me? That gives me experience as a believer to walk the Christian life in peace. Tribulation working, with patience. Patience experience. And experience hope. And as we all have heard so many times before, and I'll never get tired of hearing it that this is not a hope like, man, I hope Clemson loses again. It's an expectation. It is a, it's, it's written, it, it may as well be carved in stone, expectation about what God is doing in our lives. And all that started with tribulation. Tribulation is not automatically a sign that I am doing something wrong. Because that's how I am. Something bad will happen. I'm like, okay, Lord, what do I do? <laughs> something bad happens and I'm like, okay, I'm wrong. And then things are going good. and I'm like, okay, I'm all right. Well, man, I sound like, a, I sound like the rich young ruler <laughs> when I think that way. Tribulation is not automatically a sign that I'm doing something wrong and I'm being chastised. It could be that I'm doing something right. And tribulation is God's plan to either make me better or make me a testimony to someone I remember one time years ago when i uh, family we grew up in a car business and I worked at a car dealership detailing cars. I don't do that anymore, just in case you wonder. Um, got a dirty car and I worked in the shop and I was witnessing this fellow that was another guy that worked at wash cars in the in the, in the in the in the in the in the cleanup shop and he was just just cold and, and different, and didn't want to hear it. And, and I, I talked to him every chance I get. I'd say something to him about the Lord. Just try, you know. Tried to Lord help me. How, how can I this brush? This brush I'm washing the car with. How can I use that as an illustration? Hey, the soap. Hey, you know something? You know you think we get a wash rack? There'd be a lot of good illustrations to use. And um and one day I was washing a brand new Ford. I forget what it was. It was a Taurus Escort. It was something Escort. Remember those? <laughs> um, that's how long ago that was. Um, and. Uh, and I, you pull the car in, you're washing the inside, you open it, you're, you're, you're all done. The doors are all opening, you're vacuuming, you're cleaning the windows. And I go around to the passenger side and I shut the front door. And then I shut the back door. I walk around behind the car, past this open door, and get in behind the driver's seat, shut the door, put it in reverse, start it, put it in reverse, and back out. And, uh, and that back door, just you know, brand new car, just, rip, just about ripped the door off the hinges. And uh, praise the Lord, they had insurance for that sort of thing. Um, I didn't figure they had cleaning guy insurance, but they did. Um, And I was wondering why, you know, Lord, not like I'm complaining, but what was that about? And uh, I think it was for Scott. The guy's name was Scott. I think it was for Scott. I had been talking to him, talking to him about the Lord, talking about Jesus, talking about righteousness, talking about sin, talking about something else. And I I took a brand new car and ripped the door off and I didn't jump out and start stomping and screaming and cussing and, you know. I I didn't like that that happened, but, you know, Scott, praise the Lord, got to see a Christian that day. And I'm not going to say that people who see me every day always see a Christian. But he got to see one that day. He got to see someone who talked to him about the Lord on a regular basis, demonstrate something that happened when hardship comes. And sometimes that's what tribulation's for. And strangely enough, I find some peace in that. There's peace in tribulation. And the last one that I'll mention, and we won't have to turn there, this was mentioned in the other service too, is Galatians chapter five. There's peace from walking in the spirit. How can there not be? It's a fruit of the spirit. We'll turn there and read it anyway. We'll just, we'll just read it because we're almost there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. And as you've heard, uh, you don't struggle to produce fruit. It's a natural byproduct of walking in the Spirit. And it works. That's a different story. Works, that's kind of like what you do in the flesh. You know, the works of the flesh are these. You know, but spirit, but, but these things are fruit from walking in the spirit. And I was reminded of a passage of scripture, a couple of passages. One of them said, I'm um, uh, trying to, I didn't write it down, I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, the commandments of the Lord are not grievous. The commandments of the Lord are not grievous. They're not hard. They're not harsh. They're not miserable. But the way of transgressors is hard. That's another verse. The way of transgressors is hard. But but walking in the spirit, one of the things that's produced from that by walking, walking continually, there's continuing again, walking with my Lord is peace. And that's it, I'm done. I just have this one little thing that I wrote down that I want to read and it's just a handful, like seven words. I don't know, I didn't count. That's the kind of God we have and serve. That in this life that we live in, until we go to be with Him, we're going to have to go through things and experience people that cause us to not be at peace, and that's not how God wants us to be. I was just reading about the Apostle Paul today, um, sailing on a ship for fourteen days. They didn't have anything to eat, and they you know, he, Paul was like, "I told you." I told you we shouldn't have sailed, you know, and, uh, they sailed anyway. And Paul, he was just had complete peace in trusting his God. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God you and I have. And, um, and I hope that tonight as we go, we can be reminded of these things. And when you face something that, that, that is going to take your peace away, that you can be reminded of your God and how he works in your life, uh, to restore the peace that you should have and that I should have. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these passages that remind us of how you've worked in the hearts and lives of real people, things that you've said to us, things that you, um, you know, inspired to have someone write down so that churches all over would read it and that they would be helped and encouraged and strengthened and would live quiet and peaceable lives, you know, glorifying you in righteousness and... um, and we thank you, Lord, that we can, we can be reminded of a few of them this evening. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.